Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today I'm going to give you my post-draft rookie running back rankings. Last week we talked the quarterbacks post-draft. This week we're talking the running backs. I know a bunch of rookie drafts are starting soon or already have started, so I wanted to get my rankings out as they've been adjusted for what happened in the 2023 NFL draft and as we shift our focus to the 2023 NFL season. So without further ado, let's get into it. So as we work through these, just like last week, I want to lay out some of the things that are going to go into these rankings. First thing is my pre-draft rankings, which are based on the skills and traits that the running backs displayed in college and how they project to the NFL. The next thing is the opportunity for playing time. Which situations offer the most clear path to playing time for these rookies? And the last thing is I'm looking at supporting cast. Which teams provide the most support around their running back, whether it be offensive line, productive offense, other weapons around their quarterback that can lighten the boxes for the running back, things of that nature. All right, with the criteria out of the way, Let's dive into the rankings and why I have guys ranked where I do. Alright, and right before I get into the rankings here really quickly, I have my key like I had last week as far as the buckets and tiers that I put these guys into. So for the running backs, it's going to be the top bucket is starter, a guy that walks right in the door and is your number one starting running back, basically the bell cow guy. Next, I have running back by committee, a guy who's going to get touches, going to get his fair share of playing time, but he's got another guy either ahead of him or right alongside him or maybe just below him on the depth chart. And obviously, we don't know where guys sit on the depth chart right now, but we can try to project these things as best we can based on the situation. So guys that are going to get their touches, guys like A.J. Dillon's been in the committee pretty much his entire career in Green Bay. A guy like Antonio Gibson since, whether it was J.D. McKissick being the change of pace back when he was the lead back, but now he's the change of pace back with Brian Robinson there. Situations like that. Then we're looking at receiving running backs in the next tier. So that's just your guys that are basically the change of pace receiving back that can get you some PPR points and get you some upside in the flex even though they're not the starter, they can have potential production because of their skill set. Think of guys like Chase Edmonds before he got hurt and was traded to Denver last year. Think about guys like J.D. McKissick before he was hurt uh, this past year, how productive he was. Guy, These guys can carve out a role and fit into your flex spot and be valuable to you, get you sometimes up to 10 points a game consistently. After that, we've got path to playing time. So that means guys who have a situation where maybe they're not the number one guy right now, probably not, but there's a path to them getting playing time either this year or into the future. Then we have a tier called upside. Guys that were drafted low, maybe in crowded backfields, but guys that I really liked pre-draft, so I wanted to give them kind of their own shout-out tier as guys I really liked pre-draft, thought that had potential, 
but because of the situation they're in, maybe not the greatest for them. And then after that, I've got Sleeper. So these are the guys that either went undrafted as undrafted free agents or got drafted super low or were drafted into crowded situations. And on top of that, these were guys that I had ranked fairly low anyway. So I'm having a hard time seeing where the path is for them. Some of these guys do have talent, but when you look at the situations, whether it be the draft capital or where they're coming into, how crowded the backfield is, sometimes it's not a good situation for them. And on top of that, like I said, I've got a few guys in here who I wasn't very high on to begin with, so I'm not going to bump them up, especially given their situations. All right, with that out of the way, let's talk about the guys in the starter tier, and I think everybody knows who these guys are going to be. But we've got Bijan Robinson, who went to Atlanta. Cream of the crop, top running back in the class, pretty much checks every single box you can think of for a running back. And he went to a great situation in Atlanta with a good offensive line, a coach that knows how to run the ball, and a situation where they've proven that too with lesser talent. Tyler Algier had 1,000 yards last year, and he's a solid back, but he's not an athlete like Bijan Robinson is. Just imagine the type of production he's going to have this year. You do have to feel for people who had Tyler Algier and were counting on him going into this year. Um, I even saw in one of my leagues that somebody right before the draft didn't really buy into the hype that Bijan was going to Atlanta, and there was a lot of buzz about it. So um, whether you bought into it or not, it was out there. And he traded his 2024 first-round pick for Algier, and now that's going to bite him in the butt because he doesn't have Bijan. So he's basically got a backup running back there. Maybe he can be productive, but it's hard to see the path there when you just, just drafted Bijan Robinson at number eight overall. So he was the best going into the draft, and he was drafted with the best draft capital and went into one of the best situations he could. So Bijan still number one. After that, we've got Jameer Gibbs, and he's the last of the starter bucket here. He went to Detroit at number 12, and he goes into a really good situation. A really well-run offense by Ben Johnson in Detroit. A lot of talent at the wide receiver position, whether you're talking about Jamison Williams or Amnara St. Brown, and there are a bunch of guys that are also just-a-guy kind of guys, but they've been productive, like Josh Reynolds. Uh, then you think about the fact that they just drafted an athletic tight end in Sam Laporta. He's going to get his targets. You've got a solid quarterback in Jared Goff, and you've got the best offensive line in football. Can't stress that enough. They've been building it up for the last couple of years here. They have the best offensive line in football, and they showed it last year with the way they ran with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. And now DeAndre Swift is out of the picture. They did draft... David Montgomery, but you're not drafting Jameer Gibbs at number 12 overall and not using him more than Montgomery. Montgomery is fine, and it is a bit of a head-scratcher from that perspective that they gave him starter money, but they're planning on running the ball a bunch. And they got good, solid production out of both Swift and Williams last year, so I would not be shocked to see the same this year. And clearly they like Gibbs more than they did Swift. And he's probably got a better chance of staying on the field health-wise. So Jameer Gibbs is the last guy in the starter bucket. After Gibbs, I have Tank Bigsby going to Jacksonville in the third round. 
Tank Bigsby was one of my top backs going into the draft. And unfortunately, he was drafted into a situation where he is behind a guy, or at least the 1B to the 1A. Uh, I do like how he kind of projects as a differing skill set to Travis Etienne. Uh, more of the bruiser, short yardage, kind of grinded out guy. And he can probably steal some goal line carries, vulture those away from Travis Etienne. But you don't like it for Travis Etienne owners. And you don't like it for a guy like Tank Bigsby that has the potential to be a starting running back, a bell cow back in the NFL. Good for Jacksonville. It was good for them. But just from a fantasy perspective, it hurts Bigsby a little bit. But I expect him to kind of be, like I mentioned earlier, A.J. Dillon's been a committee back his entire career. I could see him carving out a role similar to A.J. Dillon's that is alongside the one that Aaron Jones has. Which isn't bad. That's flex quality running back play. That's solid stuff. You can win games with that kind of running back play. It's unfortunately not a starting bell cow kind of guy in at this moment because of the situation. But he's the most talented of the running back by committee guys in my mind. And he goes into a good situation in a good offense with a good quarterback good receivers out there. Doug Peterson's a good offensive coach. They know how to run the ball. And on top of that, they have ETN to take something off his plate too. So there's probably going to be some boomer bust days for Tank Bigsby, especially as a rookie, but he can eat into that touch and target share for sure. After Bigsby, I have Tajay Spears, who went to Tennessee in the third round. Tajay Spears is a guy I really liked pre-draft as well. And he goes to a solid situation here where he's got Derrick Henry in front of him. But Derrick Henry, as immortal as he seems, is getting older. He's about to cross that 30-year-old threshold. And, you know, they're looking to rebuild, I think, in Tennessee quite a bit. So there's a solid chance that he can become the bell cow back for the team next year. There are health concerns, though, obviously. With the knee issues, uh, a lot of people think that he might only have a career that lasts basically his rookie contract, and uh, the team is aware of that, and he is aware of that. So uh, I think at the very least you're going to get pretty solid production out of him, but you do have to keep in mind that there maybe is an expiration date on this whole thing. But the NFL average NFL career is three years anyway, so you can't expect... A crazy amount from anybody at any point. I think it's a solid situation and he's a good talent and I like it here. After Spears, I have Zach Charbonnet who I really like. He was actually my number two back. I had him just above Gibbs because I like his rounded out skill set a little bit more than Gibbs from the perspective that Gibbs doesn't have the requisite size you want from a bell cow back. And I thought Charbonnet really kind of did it all fairly well, at least, and then did a few things really, really well. Uh, unfortunately, he goes to a weird situation here where he's going to Seattle, where Kenneth Walker's already there, and he's an absolute stud of a running back. He went in the fourth round last year to Seattle. So it's good from a team perspective for Seattle, but for fantasy purposes, obviously, the draft capital is spent on him, but you got to wonder... It's not a Bijan Robinson to Tyler Algier situation where you've got a fifth-round guy 
who wasn't the most athletically gifted compared to the guy that they just drafted. Ken Walker is an athlete and an absolute monster of a back, so it's probably going to pay dividends for Seattle on the field, but from a fantasy perspective, you got to wonder where the value is here. He's probably going to have solid production as a running back in a committee, but again, another missed opportunity for a guy who has the potential to be a starting running back, an uh, undisputed starting running back, being put into a situation, again, for fantasy purposes, where it's not conducive to having maximizing the points, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, I like Charbonnet the talent, not thrilled about the situation, and on top of that, we also know that we had another guy go to Seattle in the seventh round, another guy who was talented. So it's hard to reconcile all of that on top of him going to a team that already has Kenneth Walker. After Charbonnet, I have Roshan Johnson, who went to Chicago in the fourth. I like Roshan Johnson. He's another guy who has a solid enough skill set where I think he could be a 1A or a 1B. It's a little bit of a crowded situation right now. They've got Khalil Herbert, they've got Deontay Foreman, and now they've got Roshan Johnson. It's probably going to play well, again, on the field for the Chicago Bears, and maybe it's hedging against the fact that Khalil Herbert is in a contract year off of his rookie contract next year, and Deontay Foreman's only signed for one year, so they're probably trying to get a rookie in place to potentially be the starter next year. But as far as this year's return, crowded backfield, Justin Fields already takes away some of the touches and yards that you're going to get running the ball. So maybe Roshan can show himself to be the cream of the crop here. I'm not saying he's not the most talented in here. He might be. I'd probably say it's a toss-up between him and Khalil Herbert. Herbert's got more of that burst, I think, and shiftiness. And then Deontay Foreman's more of that bruiser kind of back but Roshan has a little bit of both so he might show out to be the better back but it's just hard to forecast that right now this early after the draft when you know that there are two solid starting caliber running backs already on the roster after that I've got Chase Brown who went to Cincinnati in the fifth I like this situation quite a bit because we don't know what's happening with Joe Mixon, whether it be because he's a guy who every other year he's either meh or spectacular, and he's getting up there in age too, but on top of that, he's got off-the-field issues. So there's been talk about potentially moving on from him, and Chase Brown is an intriguing guy from an athletic perspective. He's fast, he's got a different element than Mixon does, so even if Mixon is still there, he's got value potentially as that 1B in this situation. So I like this situation for him, and I could see him becoming the starter fairly soon, potentially. All right, out of the running back by committee bucket, we are now into the receiving running back bucket. And by the way, these buckets are really just for me to be able to separate what I expect from them. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I do have the receiving running backs a little bit lower here just on my rankings overall than the running back by committee group because I think there's better talent overall in that group. But the next guy I'm going to talk about 
I actually think is more talented than some of the guys in the running back by committee group. But because I put them into tiers and buckets, trying to forecast what it's going to be like for them in the NFL, this is how I do it. So next guy is Devin A-Chain going to Miami in the third round. I know people have concerns about the size, and I've also said that I'm not much of a film guy. I was in a tough situation in my first draft of the year right after the NFL draft where I had to figure out what I was going to do at the back end of the first round. I had the last pick in the first round, and obviously Robinson and Gibbs were off the board. All the quarterbacks that you'd want in the first round were off the board. Some of the wide receivers, but also, as we know, wide receivers also had kind of a weird draft as far as guys with talent going to crowded places where good on-the-field product for the football team, but how is it going to shake out in fantasy, right, for target share? So, Devin A-Chain, he's going to Miami, and he fits that wide zone running scheme really well. He's got the speed that guys like Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel look for. Mike McDaniel, obviously a disciple of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, And there's some similar, similar skill sets on the roster already, but I think he's a better player than the other guys in Mostert and Jeff Wilson because he has the added element of being a really good receiving back out of the backfield. But the thing that surprised me when I actually watched Devin A-Chain because I had to make a decision between him and another player that I wasn't sure about. When you watch him, he has uncanny contact balance. He's not a guy who's going to drive the pile forward or anything like that. But when he gets into open space, he's got a solid stiff arm. He's able to spin and juke guys. He's able to kind of shake and wiggle guys off. He's not a bruiser kind of guy, but if you give him space... He can break tackles and create after he gets the ball, whether it's a catch or getting out to the open field on a run. So I like Devin A-Chain a lot. I think he's a future there. By the way, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, both on one-year deals. I see A-Chain as a guy who you can slot in as the 1A going forward in Miami. He might not start off as that right away because they do have some solid backs right now, but at least by the end of the year, he's probably going to be the top guy as far as getting touches. And again, he's got that receiving upside. So I think he can be a solid flex play even this year as a rookie. After A-Chain, I have Eric Gray. Similar skill set, but a little lesser. Uh, He went to the Giants in the fifth round. And I like him going into this situation with Saquon Barkley only on the franchise tag one-year deal. Matt Breida is really the only guy ahead of him here. And because Eric Gray has a receiving skill set, I see him getting more touches than a guy like Matt Breida. Matt Breida doesn't have the best hands. He's got a fumbling problem. I watched him in Buffalo the one year he was with Buffalo, and that was a carryover from his time in San Francisco. So... He's a short-term answer, Brita, as the backup running back. I think Eric Gray is the change of pace back for the Giants going forward here, whether Saquon's there or not. After him, I've got Deuce Vaughn, who went to Dallas in the sixth round. I like Deuce Vaughn, another small guy with a receiving skill set, but he went to a solid place where Tony Pollard's only on a one-year deal, 
Ronald Jones is only on a one-year deal. So there are a lot of openings potentially next year for him on this team. And even though Tony Pollard has a receiving skill set, he's still a bigger back than Deuce Vaughn. So Deuce Vaughn can be that change of pace back for Tony Pollard this year. And last in this bucket, I've got Calvin Tyler. He's another short, small receiving type back as he projects to the NFL. He went to Cincinnati as an undrafted free agent. I don't see much of an actual opportunity for him, but he fits this bucket of receiving running back. So if he is going to make the team, that's how he's going to do it. But he doesn't have technique as a pass blocker, so it's hard to see him potentially on the field on third down other than running routes. And he's also an older prospect at 25 years old, so you worry if he's hit his athletic ceiling. All right, moving into the next bucket here, we've got path to playing time. So my first guy in this one is Israel Abanacanda, who I really liked coming in. He's young, he's got good vision, he does struggle a bit with like congestion at the line of scrimmage, but a lot of guys do. Uh, by the way, he went to the Jets in the fifth round. So he's a willing receiver and blocker, and he's going into a solid situation. I don't love the Jets' offensive line, but they upgraded at quarterback. They've got some solid weapons on the outside, especially Garrett Wilson. And, you know, having that Hall of Fame quarterback is going to help here. But the situation is there, too. Brees Hall is expected to miss time at the beginning of the year after tearing his ACL last year. So you'd expect that if anybody's going to get the carries that Brees would have gotten, it'd be Abanacanda, and then they work in Michael Carter as the receiving back change of pace third down guy. So Abanacanda has a chance and especially can really take hold of this thing if Brees Hall, like many other running backs before him who have torn their ACL, doesn't come back fully to form right away. If Abanacanda can literally take this and run with it, uh, that'd be huge for him and he might be a steal for guys this year. After him, I've got Zach Evans who went to the LA Rams in the sixth round. I like Zach Evans quite a bit. Good acceleration in the open field. He's a physical runner and zone is his best fit, which the LA Rams, they run a zone scheme. Disciples of Kyle Shanahan. Um, and then you look at the situation here. Beyond Cam Akers, and Cam Akers had his own struggles last year. I like Cam Akers quite a bit. Uh, I own him in one of the leagues that I'm in, and the stretch that he had down the stretch the last couple of games of the year. He had 300-yard games. He had four games where he had 75-plus percent of the snap share, and he just had an absolute killer run to end the year. He looked closer to his old self than he ever had been after the whole turmoil of wanting to leave the team and not getting along with the running backs coach. It was a weird situation, and then they cut Daryl Henderson out of nowhere. He even had one game where he was 100% of the carry share. But I digress from the whole Cam Akers thing. Despite all of that, there's that weird situation. And on top of that, they didn't seem to be ultra keen on Kyron Williams. On a team that had all that turmoil, had a bunch of injuries. Kyron Williams had a chance to seize an opportunity there. And he really didn't. He wasn't bad, but he didn't really take full advantage again 
Cam Akers had 100% of the touches at running back in one of the last games of the year for them. That's absurd. That doesn't happen. So Zach Evans has an opportunity to step in here as the backup here. But also Cam Akers is in the final year of his deal. So you look at the fact that he had some injury issues, some weird turmoil during this tenure here. I would not be shocked if L.A. doesn't want to bring Cam Akers back necessarily. I'm sure they don't have huge issues with him, but running backs typically don't get hefty second contracts, and Cam Akers, between the injury and everything else, really hasn't lived up to the billing at, of the very talented running back that we thought they were going to get and we thought was going to take over definitively as a starter there. So Zach Evans has an opportunity both to take that number two job this year and to step in as a starter next year. After Evans, I have Sean Tucker who went to Tampa Bay as an undrafted free agent. So Sean Tucker, he's an athletic specimen. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, but he lacks some of the vision that you want and he had some health issues that popped up during the pre-draft process I'm blanking on exactly what they are so I'm not gonna speak out of turn and say what they are but they were concerning enough for teams to not draft him but he got a fairly hefty signing bonus from Tampa Bay to sign there and really his only competition there for touches is Rashad White who we expect to be the starting running back but if Sean Tucker can work just a little bit on the vision he might have that skill set that you're looking for to be the bell cow back there. And Rashad White probably projects better as a receiving back, third down, change of pace guy anyway. I like Rashad White and I think he can carry the load, but I don't think he's necessarily that guy you want that do, doing that all the time. So I'm not super high on Sean Tucker, but I see the opportunity here. After Sean Tucker, this one might be a surprise for some people as far as how low I have him. I've got Kendra Miller, uh, who went to New Orleans in the third round. So he's got the draft capital, and he's probably got a solid situation here. You're looking at a situation where Alvin Kamara is getting up there in age. He didn't have his best year last year. Of course, they didn't have a ton of support there. But that being said, he averaged under four yards a carry. Not solid for him. And... You know, you expect some improvement here this year, but they also signed Jamal Williams to a contract this offseason. So if Kamara is playing at the beginning of the year, pending any legal issues, you wonder where the path is. At least I do. You know, obviously if he is suspended for any amount of time, Kendra Miller does have the path. But if he's not, we haven't heard anything for a while it's weird and it's hard to forecast so I don't like it from that perspective and on top of that really the best thing about Kendry Miller he's got solid instincts and he's a good between tackle runner but he's not explosive and he doesn't really have the ability to win to the edge and he doesn't have much receiving experience so I don't think like he really fills that role that Kamara did to begin with. So I'm just struggling to see the fit as far as Kendry Miller. I was not high on him going into the draft. So 
I stick to my guns with this stuff. Draft capital does mean something, but the situation is cloudy. And I wasn't high on him like I was on other guys who I have ranked above him. So it just doesn't add up for me. Everybody else can draft him and go based on the draft capital. It's not going to be what I'm going to do. You don't have to listen to me. I'm just saying I didn't like him pre-draft and the situation's cloudy. So I wouldn't go just based on the draft capital here. After Kendra Miller, the last one in this bucket is Chris Rodriguez going to Washington in the sixth round. He's a tough running back. He's got end zone production. He's not a great athlete and hasn't really shown a receiving skill set, so he projects as an early down back. That's weird, though, because you have Brian Robinson there. That's kind of Brian Robinson's MO. I'd say Brian Robinson probably is shown more as a receiver, and I think he has more burst than Chris Rodriguez does, especially after a full offseason. I mean, this guy was shot in the leg and still played solid football behind a bad offensive line. I know he was below four yards a carry, but I thought he did more than well enough to acquit himself after that whole situation and looking at the team that he was playing on. So he doesn't have the receiving skill set either, and even if he did, Antonio Gibson's there for one more year, and he's seemingly the change of pace guy there who also has some more size than a normal receiving back would. So Chris Rodriguez is fine to me as a prospect. I just don't really see the path here. Maybe if Brian Robinson doesn't return to form, there's something there, but I don't know. Really the path here that I do see is that next year Antonio Gibson's a free agent, and Chris Rodriguez slots automatically into the backup role, but he is a very parallel skill set to Brian Robinson, so it's weird to forecast that because it's not a change of pace, really. All right, in my next bucket, I have guys with upside, so I'll try to quickly get through these guys. Lou Nichols, who went to Green Bay in the seventh round, he's a consistent back with good contact balance, He can't really make guys miss in the backfield, but he has a ton of power. He's got straight line speed, and he's shown the ability to take a dump off and make something happen after that. Not the most athletic guy, but Green Bay has a solid situation here that he might be walking into. The draft capital doesn't help, but Aaron Jones is getting up there in age, and he might be a cap casualty next year. A.J. Dillon is going into a contract year next year, so there's upside there. I like Lou Nichols as a prospect. He's probably not really touching the ball this year, especially given the draft capital, but maybe next year there's an opportunity there, so that's why I think he has upside in this offense. And then after him, I have Evan Hull, who went to Indianapolis in the fifth round. He's got a natural feel as a pass catcher and runs tough against defenders. Not a guy with breakaway speed, though, and he does have the frame for pass protection. This one's just hard to see where he fits in as far as looking at how crowded this backfield is. You've got Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in football. Then you've got Zach Moss there, who is only on a one-year deal, but he's there. He projects as a number two back. 
Then you've got Deion Jackson there who showed something as a receiving back last year. So uh, Hull projects closer to Zach Moss than any of the other guys. And maybe that's the opportunity next year to be the guy who replaces Zach Moss as the backup running back. And Jonathan Taylor is going into a rookie year, but I have a hard time seeing Indianapolis, barring any catastrophic injury, not wanting to re-sign the best back in football. I know typically you don't want to give big contracts to running backs, but I think right now when they have a rookie quarterback, that's the window to do it. And I see them bringing him back next year, barring anything unforeseen and catastrophic. My next bucket here, the last bucket, is Sleeper. And I'll try to get through these ones quickly because there's a bunch of them. And they probably don't have a huge chance to make an impact in fantasy. In fact, these ones I really didn't even bother sorting out too much. I just kind of left them where they were from my pre-draft stuff because... Based on the draft capital and the crowded situations ahead of them, I just have a hard time seeing where they're going to get on the field. So I didn't think it was worth my time to really rank them. Maybe I'm being too dismissive of them. And running back injuries happen all the time and things pop up. So I guess just keep in mind the skill sets with these guys. And if they get an opportunity, you can look back and say hey, I heard about this guy and his skill set, and he might be a good fit to fill in for the guy who's injured. So my first guy is Jordan Mims. Uh, He's an undrafted free agent who went to Buffalo. Good short area quickness. Uh, He does bounce things to the outside a bit, uh, but he's got a third down receiving back skill set. It's a crowded backfield in Buffalo. I don't really see it happening. They've got James Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray now, who just signed right after the draft, and Naeem Hines there as the receiving back. So it's just crowded. I don't see it. And we all know that Buffalo doesn't utilize the running back the way that we all wish they would for fantasy purposes. After him, I've got Mo Ibrahim, who went to Detroit as a UDFA. He's one of my favorite backs in the class, but he's an undrafted free agent going to a very crowded situation here. He's a guy who tore his Achilles and adjusted to that and was still productive afterwards. So he's not a dynamic athlete by any means, but he's a solid running back with good vision, good contact balance, and power. He is 25 years old, though. So, you know, we'll see with that. But he has receiving ability and blocking ability. Um, So maybe he can be the new Jamal Williams to this team. But again, crowded backfield with Gibbs and Monty there. It's hard to see where the path is for him. Next, I have Kenny McIntosh, who went to Seattle in the seventh round. He's a guy who plays a little tall and needs to lower that pad level, uh, but he's solid in most categories. He has a little work to do on vision and processing, but solid back overall. Again, another crowded place. Good for Seattle on the field. I don't see the fit, though, for fantasy. So Roderick Thompson went to New Orleans as a UDFA. Another crowded situation right now, cloudy situation. I'm not going to get too far into his skill set right now. Um, After him, there's Travis Dye, who went to the New York Jets as a UDFA. He's a receiving skill set kind of back. Michael Carter's there, though, so Travis Dye is fine. 
it's just hard to see the path and with the draft capital, you know. Kalen Laybourne who went to San Francisco as a UDFA. I see him popping up a bit, and I did like him pre-draft, but they've got a crowded backfield there in San Francisco. CMC, Elijah Mitchell, they have Jordan Mason, and then Tyrion Davis-Price. Think what you want about those guys. They're not great, those last two. But at least the first two makes it a super crowded backfield with good talent. And it's hard to see where the path is here, although I do like Laybourne. Travis Swen went to Indianapolis as an UDFA. Again, hard to see where he's going to latch on here. Again, hard to see where the opportunity is going to come from here. And he's really a two-down back, a guy that you only want carrying the ball because he drops the ball every opportunity he has to catch it. Next, we have Dwayne McBride, and maybe this is a guy I should have ranked higher based on the murkiness of the situation in Minnesota, but he was drafted in the seventh round. Dalvin Cook might be cut at some point. Uh, Madison might be the guy there. Uh, Ty Chandler didn't really show anything last year, although I liked him, but you know he didn't even get any opportunities really to carry the ball. So you look at that, and maybe McBride has a path here. So maybe I should have him a little bit higher, but I wasn't the hugest fan of him coming out. Uh, you know, he just doesn't have top end speed, and he's another guy who is likely a two down back because of the lack of receiving skill set. Couple of that with the situation and the draft capital, I don't know where he's going to fit. Next we have Xavier Valade, who went to Houston as a UDFA. Another crowded backfield, we've got Damian Pierce, we've got Devin Singletary as the top two guys. It's hard to see where he's going to fit in here. He's a straight line speed kind of runner and runs tall. Um, he has limited power because of that too. So he also has a lack of experience and refinement as a receiver. If he's not going to be a change of pace guy, I don't really see the fit. And even if he was... Devin Singletary kind of fits that mold. Next, I have Cameron Peoples, who went to Carolina as a UDFA. Long, long strider who can gain ground quickly. Uh, and he has the frame to pass protect, but he doesn't have the reps, and he's another guy who runs tall and upright. Leverage is the name of the game for a running back. There are guys who have shown that they can do without it, but a guy you're getting as a UDFA who's an upright tall runner Probably not going to be the guy who breaks the mold here. And lastly here, I have Tyon Evans, who went to the LA Rams as a UDFA. I already mentioned Zach Evans there. There's Kyron Williams and Cam Akers ahead of him right now. So another fairly crowded backfield. Uh, he's got good acceleration, though, but not the breakaway speed. He's a physical guy. He does have an injury history, though, and he has... Basically no experience or production in the passing game. So again, where is the path here? He's probably not making the roster. If he does, it's as the last guy, and he's probably a practice squad candidate. A lot of these guys are practice squad candidates. Got to keep an eye on them because this is Dynasty. Anything can happen. But not trying to get down on these guys, but that's why they're in the sleeper category. All right, so that's going to do it for today. 
Thanks for tuning in to my post-draft rookie running back rankings for Dynasty. If you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, or have your own rankings to share, hit me up on Twitter, at YakFantasyPod. Next week, we'll try to go through our wide receivers. If I don't get them done, which I'm still working on them because there's so many of them, maybe tight ends. I've got tight ends done already, so we might go through them. Anyway, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and catch you next week.